1: around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined in Fokatani by Mawera Karatai. Kira ora Mawera. Good to Sam, how are you? You ask me that on a Tuesday afternoon you know I'm going to talk about terrible Tuesday swimming.
0: <laughs> Do you know like all of these warm days will be heating up the ocean and guess what happens then?
1: I am counting down the days I, I think it could be done I th- it's it's, it's, re- it's real far. soon. I've entered in My the White Auntie... Island. I've entered in the White Island <laughs> race, which is at Labor Weekend, so I have to be uh, properly in the sea well before then.
0: Well, Auntie Kyla was swimming in the ocean in, um, at Moiraki yesterday. I saw on her Facebook, and if she can you can. She said it was like so cold it was burning <laughs> her, but, <laughs> but it's coming right. And
1: today we are joined by Megan Gibbons from Otago Polytech in North Dunedin. Kia ora, Megan. Kia ora,
2: Sam.
1: How's it going for you today?
2: Um, Today's not been too bad a day. Um, lots of things um, happening around the place. Um, I've been out to watch my daughter playing football in the uh, school's um, tournament week and um, been for a tour of um, A Block which is where our automotive and engineering schools are and uh, had a senior leadership team meeting so not too bad.
1: So you had a big change during the during the lockdown because you got a new job.
2: <laughs> I did lockdown was um, a really interesting time for me I kind of went into it in one role and came out of it in another um, and so I started as the chief executive um, of Otago Polytechnic on the 1st of June, um, but kind of went into lockdown having just completed the interview round. Um, I think I knew the day that we went into lockdown that I was um, had the role and then um, was also leading the COVID recovery response for the Polytechnic, and so I had a quite a nice transition of People got emails from me for all of COVID and they continue to get them from me now. So, um, yeah, no, it's been good.
1: Yeah, that was a clever move. That, that was well designed. We, <laughs> well, we did Phil it just Well, it
2: would be some, some small thing that meant our learners in China would have to go via another country if they wanted to come here. And could I just sort it out for him so that he didn't have to worry about that? So um, it turned out to be slightly different, but that's all right.
1: So how was your bubble life?
2: I liked being in bubble life. Um, it was it was really enjoyable in that um, my children couldn't do all the things that they normally do, and so we had a lot more time. and And you got to plan your day a whole lot better. And so um, I got the opportunity to exercise and um, sort of roll out of my bed and roll into my desk at the end of my bed. Um, but no, it was um, it was a good time actually, just to. Um, have some downtime and and look at work from a different perspective.
1: Did you get some exercise?
2: I did. I was very good at getting up and I recorded the Les Mills exercise things that were on at 9 o'clock in the morning and I did them first thing in the morning and then um, made sure that during the afternoon we'd do a walk somewhere. Um, we've got an 8 k block from our place that goes down through Fairfield and back up to Chain Hill. so. Um, at least some of that block each day so um if it wasn't the whole one it was parts of it
1: it was quite a good feeling having a large block to walk around we did too it
2: was <laughs> <laughs> and meeting the neighbors as well um people that like would live there for 10 years that i'd kind of waved to as they went past but actually to stop and have a conversation with them was really nice um just to know who you're living next to um so no it's it- good
1: it was this kind of strange thing that that taking away the ability to to be together actually brought communities together.
2: Yeah, it did, and it was it was interesting the conversations that you had as well because people had similar experiences and um, living nearby also have similar experiences. I mean, we've got a restoration project that happens um, around our place, and and we have met each other at. Social gatherings around that restoration project, but not actually to have a conversation about what it means and and what they're doing and how their family's going and um, just that side of of living near people in the same sort of community.
1: Let's take the first of your music choices. Did you choose these or your teenagers?
2: No, um, I chose these. My teenagers were horrified. <laughs> <laughs> But all of them have, um, when I look through, I thought, like, well, these are all different times of my life that these songs have had a meaning, but also um, kind of reflect a little bit of who I am as well.
1: So let's take Paul Kelly with Summer Rain. Why this one?
2: Well, Paul Kelly was one of my favourites at university, and I had a um, group of friends and they all thought I was really strange liking Paul Kelly. Um, but I would make, I would subject our flat to, um, loud CD versions of Paul Kelly. And, and Summer Rain, And um, was really, it's really an interesting song. And, um, one of the things that always reminds me of is, um, having grown up in Otago, you never really get a great summer. If you do, everyone talks about it for years later. <laughs> so, song like summer rain just kind of reflects who we are and and what we have and um and what we probably put up with and understand our um environment to be like more than other people um would and so i was always um jealous when i was growing up that people in the north island had a summer (laughs) and we'd have some nice hot days that we'd remember However, having lived in Auckland now, I know that they have summer rain too. <laughs> they have probably more summer rain. So um, for me, Paul Kelly was part of my university um, life and um, and sort of was a time that was a little bit probably free and easy and not a lot of boundaries and not a lot of um, people that you had to justify yourself to, um, apart from maybe your lecturing staff. But, um, it was probably a time of exploration and understanding, so um, it's always, when I hear it now, I always think back to um, that time as well. She
3: comes and goes like summer rain i wait all day for summer rain And where She comes, I smile again. She cools my brain like summer rain. She'll change your plans like summer rain. I raise. Like summer rain. And when she comes, she makes a change. I wait all day for summer rain.
1: Of course, the joke about Dunedin's climate is that if you don't like Dunedin's climate, you just wait a few minutes.
2: <laughs> yeah. Or you just let everyone else re- think that they think what it is like, and it really is horrible, and then they'll never move here. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> It is, I mean, having had a couple of um, days in the 20s, um, it is rather nice, And but I'm sure that there's still some more bad weather to come, just to remind us that um, spring's not quite here yet um, and winter hasn't quite gone away so yeah I, I think you appreciate the seasons um, living down south.
1: In your spare time you're an athletics coach so you'll be well used to carrying on ignoring the weather?
2: Well you have to really. Um, if you only trained on dry days you would never be a top athlete really <laughs> so um I think the weather the weather is what it is, and so um you have to be able to understand and and work in different environments. and I can remember um at high school winning in New Zealand secondary schools in Eden, and all the other athletes finished absolutely appalled because it had been a blowing a gale down the harbour and where the old Kelly was where the um warehouses now it was um great big headwind, and they'd all kind of got to that first corner and gone, this is way too hard, but it was just what we did. Um, day in day out, so um, yeah, they're, they're, it is what it is, and um, you just learn to cope with it, really. So um, talking I grew about up on a farm, and oh, sorry,
1: talking about changing plans, the the politics plans have changed a lot. We've managed to move online and then back offline.
2: We have, um, and hopefully not back online, but um, we have had a lot of people that have managed to cope teaching online. Um, and some of our lower level programs, our level um three and four certificates have requested please no no more. Um, but um, they've come up with new ways of teaching and new innovation, which is just fantastic. And um, for years we've been trying to encourage people to um, blend their delivery. Um, and this year it has happened a whole lot more. Um, a number of our bigger programs have kept some of their um, lecture material online now, and they're not going to go back to face-to-face um, for all of it. There will be some still. Um, and a lot of our programs have also looked at how they structure their tutorials and whether their tutorials are their face-to-face and their um, learning material was on an online platform. So really great innovation that's um, been forced upon them. Um, and, but that's often how we get change is when the circumstances changed to an extent that actually you have to change because the environment's not what it was um i think there's some um learning that's happened and from our learners perspective in some areas we need to do better but um in some areas we've done fantastically and so um it's created a real change in in education really and even reading the stuff coming out internationally people want to stay like this um Know, and what that value looks like.
1: I think, as you say, it's really highlighted that the education is really about relationships and not content.
2: Absolutely. Um, and I think um, when you look at what we do and why we do it, and I'm, um, we've got one of our staff members being um, celebrated this week for a Tertiary Teaching Excellence Award, and if you look back through all of the winners, it's all about the relationships, Um, the whaka whanaungatanga, how they get on with their learners, the environment they create that makes people feel safe. And so if we can do that online um, and face-to-face, then we're going to get great outcomes because anybody wants to feel valued in what they're doing. And so um, that's no different in education, that if you're valued for what you're contributing, then you will um, rise to the occasion. I've just been over in A Block um, talking to some of the electrical Um, Students that are studying electrical engineering and one of them came up to show me what it looked like on the board when you drew it. Um, He explained what he was doing and then he showed me on a circuit and he said, look, when it's on the wall, it's so much easier than when you're talking about it or when it's written on the board. And it was just awesome to see that that ability to transfer between those different um, situations.
1: One of the things that people have been talking about is the... The, the observation that we're not working from home we weren't working from home, we were working for, we were surviving a pandemic and working from home. so it had that, <laughs> that kind of that, that kind of a, a scary underlying message. the message that, that you sent out were sending out from the COVID response team were like the government's messages, they, they were positive without being deluded. Was that a deliberate yeah. I mean, targeting we, of how to do that messaging?
2: Well, it wasn't, it wasn't. It was actually, we have to be kind to people. We have to understand the situation that they're in um, and and that their life may, isn't normal. It's not what they're used to. They may have kids running around. I think we've seen a lot more of people's families um, over COVID um, and they've got other things that they're challenged by. And so... Do the best that you can do in the circumstances. Ask for help if you need it. Um, and we've got support services available if you really are struggling. Um, and it's interesting because my husband's a primary school teacher. and So I would hear at 9 o'clock every morning 30 excited voices in my lounge <laughs> all talking to him. After about three or four minutes, he'd put them on mute, tell them what he wanted them to do for the day. They'd have another 15 minutes of high excitement and then we wouldn't hear from them again till the next morning some of them did the work and some of them didn't it was around their circumstances and what was working for them um, and it was really nice to hear that but to see it as well and then my son's year 11 and I think on their final week of lockdown when when we knew we were coming out um, he burst into tears one day and he said I don't want to study online anymore, my teachers don't know how to do it <laughs> and so, um, and it was and it was around a mass problem so we sat down and did that together but um it really was the chain how people were coping with the change in circumstances because they couldn't do anything else the pandemic and the regulations were requiring people to be at home as much as possible and um, and to keep working and and we had learners that needed attention and um, support during that time as well and so For some people, their circumstances meant that supporting others really just was the thing that toppled them over. Um, And how we support them as an organisation became really um, challenging at times. But, yeah, the message just had to be clear and, and considered and not too much. A lot of the learners didn't like how many messages I was sending out, so in the end we just said, Talk to your academic staff, they're the ones you need to have the relationship with, or I can have the relationship with our staff. So, um, it's, it's meeting the needs
1: really. I think one of the things that this has shown is oh, wow. that that be kind message has got legs. It, it's not just like a you know, have a nice day, throw away thing, it actually can be the basis for how we run things. Do you think?
0: Yeah, absolutely. What, what do we need yeah. to
1: do to make it stay?
2: I think people have understood um, what impact they can have on others and I sometimes we forget that and I know often in education and health we know it or we think we know it um, because we're dealing with people all the time but when you start to have an impact on yourself as well And you're trying to support others you realize that actually I do have to be kind I have to forget anything else that might I might be thinking definitely not voice it um, and and start to realize what the environment that we're creating is and so we do want that message to stay because it's um, allowed allowed people to have space that that lets them function in a way that suits them and so um, from an OP perspective when I'm talking to staff now it's about understanding what other people bring into that conversation into the learning and teaching environment what other people are on campus um, and what they might be doing and and how do we encompass all really and try and understand that other people have different perspectives Um, I think that's probably the message that's come through the most during the pandemic that Everyone's got a different story, but we, we might all be experiencing the same pandemic, but it's not affecting us the same way. Um, and so um, we have to understand that.
1: We talked a little bit about the, what we've learned in terms of the, the technology after this. Have we learnt anything at a, at a bigger scale? Have we learnt anything in terms of how the Polytech operates in terms of its, its values?
2: I think we have um, we have four values Um, caring which is always the one that comes through as being important Um, empowerment accountability and courage (laughs) to think for a moment there Um, and I think caring is the one that that people can relate to the easiest Um, and I was talking to the staff subcommittee recently and they told me caring and empowerment are the ones that are important to individuals and courage and accountability are the ones that are important to the organisation. And I'd never really thought about it like that before as a as a framework. Um, often when we try and hold people to account, they say we're not caring. Um, and when we try and um, have any sort of change, then definitely we're not caring. So. Um, I think from the politics perspective, we can see that there's ways we could work better. People can have that work-life balance for want of a better uh, word where they are. They're using their home environment as well as their work environment to better work for them. Um, We have some work to do around uh, some of our formal leaders enabling that um, because if it's not something that they've been used to, they can't see that that's a way forward. We've got, we've created an environment where people are happy to help each other. So we've got to allow that to continue. Um, Things like walking past and saying good morning or helping someone out if you can see they're struggling. um, That's not a bad thing. And just that um, understanding that sometimes it does take courage or it might be empowering to look at things from a different way and that it, that's not a bad thing to do. That um, How we've always done it always is isn't always the best. Um, it's how we've done it, but that doesn't mean there's not a better way of doing it. Um, and you've got to take the learnings out of a crisis. Otherwise, um, you get nothing out of it except a whole lot of misery probably. So um, if we don't take learnings, then um, we haven't been a very good education institution either.
3: bubble
4: sprite of the forest of Oroku Nui, favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā aroha nui, kia koutou, koutou I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars, your beloved universes. I really hope that wherever you are, and whatever is happening around you, that this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining, very inspiring very fulfilling and illuminating for you more and more each day, who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique and here making things better, thank you. So I've had a very interesting day and of course I'm very excited to talk to you about it, so thank you very much for having me for these five minutes each day, it's really completely transformed my life and I'm so grateful. as we know, we are coming to the end of the month of August, or as I have been calling it, Corgust, and I have been really enjoying asking everyone every day, posting a photo every day, sharing something from my life every day on Facebook, and asking everyone, all my beautiful friends and beautiful people that surround me all over the world, what is giving you strength today? And of course, this started as a part of a motivational campaign for myself and all the bar babes in terms of doing core exercises. But because of my mystery fever healing adventure, it has in fact transformed into referencing, of course, the core of our beings. What is bringing us strength? What is inspiring us? What is reconnecting us with who we are and what we can do? and it's been wonderful so I've had a whole month of people sharing with me what is giving them strength and I've been able to look every day for something that's giving me strength and of course every day there's something new and different and exciting that is there inspiring me and it's been wonderful to see all these people all over the world where their strength is coming from where their sense of that strength and resilience and determination is coming from and everyone has been of course the more than human world the natural world the real world the living world the beauty of that world that surrounds us our home our family our whanau our friends the people that we love time with the people that we love or connecting with the people that we love doing what really brings purpose and meaning and a sense of who we are and fulfillment into our lives finding new things, trying new things for the first time, creating new and amazing things together, whether it's making art, whether it's making music, whether it's cooking together, whether it's going and exploring a new place together and and beautiful photographs, whatever it is, these shared creative experiences have been bringing a lot of strength. And of course, people's independent and individual journeys that they're taking, reading new books that are bringing into being and pursuing their own creative goals, learning how to sew, learning how to play the guitar, all kinds of amazing things. So I've been so grateful for that opportunity to hear where that strength is coming from. And of course, I'm so grateful for that trust to have that insight into people's lives on such a deep personal core level. And it's been so interesting, of course, to see that what is giving strength, what is giving meaning every day is not possessions, is not um, consumer experiences. It's of course those experiences with those that we love and connecting with all life that surrounds us in an infinite web through that portal of the living world. So this brings me on to next month, which of course is going to be swap Timber, And for me, that's all about moving beyond a lot of those compulsive spending behaviours and finding new ways to do things. So I'm very excited about that. That's my mum in the UK ringing me on the phone. And I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakiti.
1: We've seen lots of changes at a societal level over the last few months. What do you think is going to stick, and what do you hope will stick?
2: Um I hope that the changes that we're seeing around looking after the environment and um, and society stick. Um, I know that we all saw more bird life and more wildlife during lockdown, that the things like less cars and transport and and people actually meant that the environment started to Sort of recover a little bit and look after itself, and and we were able to see that. Um, we saw that people cared for each other more, um, and I hope that continues. That we can have conversations about how someone's going and be honest with them and and look at possible solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there'll be more conversations around how we can um, look at long-term sustainability. Um, of society, of of our cities and towns, um, of our waterways, that sort of problems and the complexity of the problems has become a little bit clearer for people to understand that it's not a them and us that it's often portrayed in the media, um, that there's often many layers to an onion and you have to keep peeling or, or working out how they interact to be able to get um, a solution that, meet some, but it may not meet all needs, but um, but what's the best outcome that we can possibly get? Um, and what's the process to get to that outcome? Because often we look at problems and outcomes and we forget that there's a system in between um, and how we help that system. Um, and also I think we're probably a whole lot more aware of the job losses that we've seen in the community, the impact that they're having on certain um, groups of our community um, and different um, long-term impacts that, that that might have. And we know that there's more Māori and Pacifica impacted. We know there's more females that have been impacted. What does that look like in the long term and what are the opportunities that we're creating? If you look at the government's um, targeted trades um, assistance funding that came following COVID, it targets a lot of male-orientated um, professions and and most people that have been affected have been female, so there is a disjoint there um, that we need to advocate for um, and also we also need to change perception that there are male and female roles in society and how, um, how we encourage and empower females to make decisions that might lead to outcomes that are, are better suited to them um, as well so there is a lot of change. Um, we also won't see too many international learners in our space in the country for a while. Um, I can't see the borders recovering and reopening to international education as one of the priorities.
1: I think it, that uncertainty <laughs> is likely to affect people's careers, that it's they increasingly they might not be heading for a career where they know exactly what they're going to be doing. Because even the some no. of the most solid careers have suddenly disappeared.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and and it's and it's interesting where it's changing. I mean, if you look at retail, you wouldn't want to go into retail at the moment because people are more happy to shop online because it means you're not interacting with other people, which in itself is a is a challenge. Um, if you look at the students we have graduating this year, we've had a whole lot that have been impacted by part time work and not having it anymore but also what are they going into where are the roles that they thought they were training themselves for um and what does that mean for them in the longer term um and how resilient are they to say actually this is okay and this is part of my career pathway and i can move into this space and then there might be a different space that i don't know about yet i think that certainty that we probably had when we went through university, knowing that if I study this, I can do this, um, has gone. Because for our parents, they didn't have to go and study. They they could just go and get the job. We had to go and do the study and we would get the job. And now the students that are studying don't know what the job will be. Um, so it is a really uncertain time um, for lots of our young people and lots of people retraining. because. Already their lives have been changed. Um, we're not seeing those careers that you live in for life anymore.
1: What do you think we can learn from how we've responded for... You, you mentioned sustainability. So for those, those bigger scale questions, for the, the things that are perhaps intergenerational, climate change, um, social injustice and so on.
2: I think that... There is lots we can learn from it. Um, If we look at climate change as an example, I think people are starting to be less tolerant of behaviours that were just seen to be normal in the past. Um, And and if we use tourism as an example, um, if you look at what's happened to Queenstown with COVID and, and the continued reliance on people coming in and spending money, um, and having an experience um, in that environment. There's now a reset starting to happen that says, well, actually, what is the experience we should be providing? Um, what impact does that have on the environment if we do do that long term? Um, and how do we support people that this is their role? And actually, we can't have a steady stream of people doing it hour in, hour out. Um, what are the alternatives? What... Um, What systems can we put in place that might might allow for that, some of it to happen in the future, but not all of it? Um, And what impact does that have on our waterways and rock faces and um, landscape and infrastructure that we keep creating? Um, Because if you look at Queenstown, it's probably a social nightmare. There's not enough housing. there's people on their full extremes of salaries. Um, they're so reliant on money coming in out of region. There's nothing in region that supports um, it as a as a place. Um, if we look at social justice, we've got. I think we've got more tolerance of people and their different um, background and what um, they are bringing into the situation. That it's not all the same. Um, and if I speak to my father, he believes that there's sort of clear boundaries that people should be within it. But as a society, I think we're starting to question that and actually um, look at at what's happening and and how we can lead in that space and what New Zealand's small enough that um, we've shown the world we can lead in things, um, but we're also agile enough that we can make some of these changes that others wish they could. Um, So we have to use this opportunity really, otherwise we're going to be back where we were um, and and there won't be the change that we need to have. Um, and if I think, like even the RCE, our tourism project before COVID was how we would get everyone out of Queenstown if the Alpine Fault went. That was their big sticky problem. Now their big sticky problem is how do we ensure um, a tourism dollar um, that is a sustainable tourism um, environment picture where people are coming in and that might be regenerative for the society rather than um, depletive. So um, we've got to use those opportunities because that's a whole lot different to an earthquake down in the Alpine Fault.
1: You talk about a, a reset. What do we need to do to make sure that that is actually a conversation that we have, that it is a... a a regeneration uh, rather than just uh, uh, treating it as a recovery? Let's get back to, to business as usual.
2: I think we have to look at all angles, and I'm going to use international education as the example here. At the moment, we don't have an, an international education um program that is the same as what it was before COVID and we're never going to have that again because the government's already said we need to reset here we need to have high value um, learners coming into the country that are going to contribute to society afterwards Um, we need to have um, workforces that are in need so if they're coming in so we do have some international nurses coming in to do CAPS training later this year because that's an important essential workforce We've had policy that's allowed people to come in for a year and get a post-study work visa so they can work for the next two to three years um, while applying for residency, but what are they bringing into New Zealand as part of that? So the change in the focus means that we start to, instead of just getting people in the country to bring money, we start to look at what we might need as a society, what we need as a country what skill sets we can build on and develop and that actually puts us in a more powerful position for shaping the future rather than just a net immigration Um, and there will be lots of industries like that that have to to look at the hows and whys and what the long-term consequences are.
1: Let's take the second of your music choices, let's have REM, Shiny Happy People. Why this? (laughs)
2: Um, I love shiny happy people Um, that was kind of has always been one of my theme songs Um, I think people are the the crux of society Um, and and diversity in people means that we have diversity and opinion Um, shiny happy people are always positive Um, they're looking at the best in the outlook and so how we um, how we create change um, and looking at it from different people's perspectives um, and trying trying to see a positive. It doesn't matter what the situation is. Someone always has a positive view. Um, otherwise, we would never do change. Um, and so um, I have an outlook um, in my philosophy that um, if we get alongside people and we create relationships and understand um, a little bit of why, what their motivation might be, then we we get much better outcomes. And so, um, if there's things that can make you feel better um, and be positive, then um, that's always um, a good thing. So, um, and I started my career as a dietitian, which. Um, was really about helping people to help themselves, um, and then ended up teaching into um, sport and personal training, which again is about helping people to help themselves and how we can create change in people's lives. Um, so I, it, it's just a song that kind of reflects a philosophy more than anything.
1: Have some questions to end with and not very much time to do them so we'll have to be quick what's the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years
2: oh that's a bit of a hard one sam um i think actually when i look back on this year um it would have to be the way that um the staff responded when i told them we were being locked down <laughs> um within 24 hours and to please get everything ready to go online we would um we'd move our holidays forward and then we would all go and I think the staff just responded amazing um, and, and we had pretty good outcomes overall and that's that clear communication, that was at that point probably sort of mid to late April I went actually we've done alright here um, so that would be one of the best successes I think um, over the last couple of years.
1: So we're writing a book of these conversations, it's called Tomorrow's Heroes it's our team of people doing good work so you're on our team. What is the superpower that has got you into our mansion?
2: Um, I think possibly um, a little bit of problem solving and a little bit of organisation. Um, I'm not a chaos person. I like to have a bit of a structure in behind me. Um, and and that would be one of my um, superpowers. Um, and... Obviously, um, a bit of laughter and humour when the going gets tough because um, otherwise it all becomes too hard. And so I when um, when I get stressed, I go very quiet. So that's how people know that things aren't going well. But, um, yeah, a bit of positivity into there as well.
1: Do you consider yourself to be an activist?
2: I do for things I believe in um, and always have been Um I'm probably a bit of a feminist. My father has five sisters and no brothers, so I was brought up believing uh, that girls could do anything at any time. Um, And my great-grandmother was an activist for the women's uh, vote, so um, she was um, leading alongside some of the others in women's suffrage. So, um, And my grandmother drove the school bus so that her daughters could get an education because um, her husband was too busy driving the tractor on the farm. So... Um, always a belief that um, if you want to do it, do it yourself
1: What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning?
2: The fact that I can make a difference that um, that there's always something better that we can do um, and that each day is a new opportunity um, for something good to happen and that challenges will come along and um, Probably create a little bit of angst along the way, but what learning can we get from them, um, and how can I help people um, at the end of the day, really?
1: And what challenges are you looking forward to in the next year or so? <laughs>
2: 2020 ending, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, on, <laughs>
1: and honestly, I saw, um, I saw I a had... good meme. I saw a good meme. It <laughs> yeah. said, "I'm not adding 2020 to my to my birthday." Didn't yeah. do me any favours. Why Why should I count it?
2: Yeah, I saw one the other day. I said, if I put the Christmas tree up, it's the year over. So. <laughs> um, I think the challenges in my world will be as we become NZIST um, and what that looks like and um, the situation that we have around um, how we will work together. I think if we keep the learner at the centre of of it and then that's our focus, then it can only be good. Um, But we've got to navigate um, the politics and the structure around the outside. Um, So that's my challenge I see is trying to guide people and help them through that change and mess that will happen as we um, head towards one entity um, and those beliefs.
1: And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners?
2: Just take each day as it comes. Um, that um, just like the weather, the seasons change, and so um, getting the small things um, out of your day really helps you to put things in perspective and um, and not lose sleep over things. So um, look look for the beauty in things. Look for the enjoyment in things, um, and and it does get to the time where you remember those things. You don't remember the the things that were hard and challenging. So um, create the memories, really.
1: Thank you very much for that, Moira.
0: Yes, I think you've pretty much nailed that, Megan. Um, that's all we that's all we really can do, eh? And we we yeah. live for this moment. This moment, and things can be so uncertain but um, we take our opportunities to make happy things happen. And um, I think of the value of what you're doing in the world by providing a safe place for people to be able to learn, and that's got to be the greatest thing of all. Absolutely. Pretty pretty neat, eh? Yeah. That is very cool.
1: Thank you very much for joining us.
2: You're welcome. Thank you.
1: Positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. We're listening to Diddy Snash Outlook for Thursday. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, with Moira Karatai in Fakatani, and in Dunedin North, the chief executive of Otago Polytechnic, Megan Gibbons. We hope you enjoyed the show. <laughs>